and I want to become a printmaker and I love every technique. You know, printmaking means everything. The most important invention in human history probably are soap and print. Hello, print friends, and welcome to the 75th episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram and Facebook, and you can sign up for our monthly newsletter print news from around the world all at pinecopperline.com. We also have a Patreon page where supporters can join up at tiers starting at just a dollar a month and they help us bring you printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like stickers and totes so if that sounds like something you're interested in you can check out the link in the show notes. It's also fine if you don't want to know more about that, because times are tough, and if you just want to listen to the show and enjoy what you hear, we want you to do just that. Hey print friends, we have merch, printmaking jokes, the Pine Copper Lime logo, and now, by popular demand, a shun the non-believers design. With two sexy new looks for your viewing pleasure. Check it out, there's a link in the show notes. And one more quick bit of housekeeping, we are archiving past Pine Copper Lime episodes on YouTube for easy listening, close captioning, and sharing with people who are confused and suspicious at this whole podcast thing. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your creative practice since 1997. If you've been following along on their Instagram, and we really do recommend that you do, you've no doubt seen the newest initiative that they're offering in the print world, Speedball's Print Posse. Working with many of our close friends here from PCL, including Killjoy, Martin Mazora, and John Hancock of the Amazing Hancock Brothers. Not to mention Dear Jerk, who, spoiler alert, we'll be releasing an interview with soon. They have created a brand new line of custom inks to push your practice even further. Head on over to the Speedball Print Posse shop at speedballart.com to find where you can pick up a can of your new favorite color. There's a link in the show notes. My guest this week is Roberta Fioli, a Venice-based printmaker and print educator known for her dedication to non-toxic methods. We'll talk about how she came to printmaking through the love of technique, her printmaking travels in the before-four time when we could actually travel for printmaking, the importance of printmaking press in the history of human communications, and getting witchy in the studio. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to say ciao with Roberta Fioli. Ciao, Roberta. How's it going? Hi, Randa. Everything, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like we're living in a time where that 
seemingly simple question has so much weight. <laughs> if you want to ask me something more specific about physic and chemic and mathematical <laughs> problematic in the universe, probably going to be simple. Yeah. How is going now the situation? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then I'm thinking about it too because it's, you know, we record and then they get released a few weeks after and I'm like, and that answer yeah. will probably be totally different by the time the podcast comes out. But yeah, totally. Well, before we kind of dive into talking a bit more about specifics and where you are and why how's it going is a complicated question. Would you please tell people who are listening just who you are and where you're located and what you do in the print world? I am Roberta Feoli. I am the print shop manager of Scuola Internazionale di Grafica in Venice. I definitive myself as an artisan, first of all. Because for me, it's so important the practical part of the work. Artisan in the most old-style way, because I know how, how to do something with my hand. Mm. Second, I'm a professor, because I teach, I love to teach to students. I have different kind of class. It's not important for me the age or the, uh, the nivel. I love to teach everything I know. Uh, to people really interesting and people that want to know and uh, I am a printmaker and uh, and this is the good part <laughs> this is the great part because I think that I can uh, I say I'm a printmaker because I work in the printmaking world and I have the luckiness to meet a lot of people with my uh, in my school I meet people from all around the world artists and printmakers so I have the possibility to stole and everything I can mm. and uh, finally I am an artist but uh, I use this word only when I have a show so in the moment that I have a, a real show some of my pieces are in an exhibition in a museum in a collection wherever I use the word artist in this moment I have to uh, print in two different show in Italy, so I can say that today I'm an artist too. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And so, where did you grow up, and what role did art play in that time in your life? So, um, I come from a very little city uh, near Naples. Uh, my city is Benevento, and Benevento in the Italian history is the city of witch. And mm. the idea is that. Uh, all the women that uh, grew up and born in Benevento are a little witching. Uh, <laughs> no, we know, we see, we, we can feel what's happened. And my really lucky point in my life is that my family is uh, um, from my grandfather. Uh, they founded a newspaper, the newspaper of the city. And so I grew up literally near a printer machine. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. So for me, the smell of ink, and we speak about the super toxic and dangerous ink, uh, was a normal smelling, you know, was something that really comfortable me as a child, because I love day by day stay in the print shop where they print the newspaper. And so I grew up with this idea that ink is good, and information and share is good. So mm. I'm a journalist too. I... <laughs> for of course you know you can't escape to the side of your family my grandfather my mother my uncle my they are all journalists 
And so I started the same way, but I understand that I need so much to to work too with my hand, not only writing, but drawing and creating. And so I study art uh, in the college and I study in Academy of Fine Arts in Urbino. In Italy and in the world, the world, no, Urbino is one of the best places ever for study uh, graphic mm. art. Mm-hmm. And was great, you know, because uh, I start with the painting class. And painting class means uh, mm, I can spit on the wall, but if I can explain that my spit on the wall is uh, uh, the human condition, is contemporary. And, and then I see people from the print shop uh, dirty, completely dirty from the finger to the face. And I say, wow, in this print shop, people do something hard. And, and this strange idea, you know, this um, with this word, I don't want to say that contemporary means bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, in my, when I start this art study, I understand that I have something to say. And the best way to say that was by graphic art. And was the, the right uh, thing to do. You know what I mean? When you feel that is the right selection, the right moment to change so I go out from painting class and I start to get dirty in the print shop. Yeah. And uh, and from this point was a, a nightmare because I start day by day to be more sure about my work, about what I want to do. And I want to become a printmaker and I love every technique. You know, printmaking means everything. The most important invention in human history probably are soap and and, and, and you know, and uh, and the two things are so related because a printmaker have to wash his hand one hundred times every day. It's an important thing. And then happens something really important uh, that is uh, I have a possibility. I win the you know the right word for this when you win uh, uh, the the thing to study outside your university uh, in in Europe is Erasmus program. So I win the possibility for the, to study in Granada, in Spain, Academia de Bellas Artes in Granada. And it was incredible because uh, they work a lot with the less toxic technique, or better, with what was less toxic 15 years ago. So for the first time I meet professor, you know, um, Italy is uh, still very academic about printmaking technique. Really? Yeah, mm. Academy of... And, and in some ways, right. If you study in Academy of Fine Arts, they have to teach you the base, the rules. And uh, but you have to understand that you can destroy these rules. This is the difference for me, the difference. So when you say it's like it's very academic, do you mean like it's just very sort of rule-based and very structured in the way it teaches? Mm, not just that. I can tell you that for example, for one entire years, for one year I work only with hard ground. Because hard ground was the uh, the best, uh, is the only way to do something good in printmaking and was very classic. Classic means uh, copper, charbonnel, hard ground, liquid, satinato, ground, print the edition in the super classic way, you know, right. teach you only one way. Right, in a very traditional way. Very traditional like. way. And one thing that uh, now is funny to say or, or probably no, still not funny, but uh, one of the older professors that I meet in Academy of Fine Art, uh, first things that he teach me was uh, 
that if you sign your print and your kind of sign, I don't know how to say better than this, you know, your name looks too much like uh, female, the print have less money valor. This was something that I assumed was, was scary for me, it was something like, wow, we still at this point. And then I understand because I have friend in, in Academy of Fine Arts that signs the print with a little star on top of the E or, you know, not female, but infantile. I don't know how to say infantile. Uh, like a child. Gotcha, gotcha. Like maybe sort of like just playful and yeah, a little immature maybe, immature. But in real, he wanted to teach me was more like this, but the word that he used was so shameless was so horrible word for explain the the problem we can say but in some way i feel that still for example this idea of making means and hard work for hard men and then <laughs> in my class i have only girls so you know this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible thing and personally i hate when people tell me ah but pre makings like uh, cook it's like that you put your ingredients and you prepare your special cake that in real is a print. This is a way to uh, show, to say that uh, the, one of the most ancient and important techniques in the history of humanity is like something more. No, printmaking is printmaking. Cooking is another mm. kind of art for me and uh, my personal idea. So I don't like uh, when people share these kind of things. Pre-making is pre-making. It's a hard work and it's a hard work for every person want to work hard. You know what I mean? So yes, all this became part of my personal pre-making style in real. And all this step by step helped me to arrive to School International de Grafica in Venice. <laughs> yeah, so you, you went and you studied in Spain for a little while. Did that help you kind of learn to break some of the rules you learned in this academic style of teaching in Italy? Yeah, it was like that I discovered that academic, that was academic. If you don't see different, if you don't see something new, that what you do is the right way. And then in Spain, they use, I don't know, something very simple. Now it's normal. But 15 years ago, uh, the plate for Lito... Uh, for lithography, but not the stone, you know, the plate uh, with crayon and all the other kind of work, uh, but with less toxic uh, ink. Just the concept of less toxic ink was something that completely blew up my mind. It was like, wow, because ink are toxic. <laughs> the thing is, the less information, the, uh, we don't have so much information about the materials that we use in the print shop. And then you discover that they are toxic, for example. But if no one explained to you these things, huh, change completely the quality of your work. So in Spain, I start to understand that it was real an alternative to some of the part of my work in the academic uh, academia in Italy. And this is still a point, you know, this is still something that I'm looking for, something different. Yeah, because I know that you actually, did you end up traveling to the U.S. to study yeah. non-toxic? Um, how did that trip come about? This was something big. <laughs> you know, sometimes in life you have the sensation that you arise in a, a good point. You know, you arise to something that you don't expect. And my travel to USA was exactly that. I, um, like what I tell you, at school I had the opportunity to meet a lot of printmakers from all around the world. And 
I meet people that are not only just fantastic artists, but great humans. Yeah. And this is something hard. Eh? It's like a, a fantastic artist is not forced to be a good professor. And a good professor is not always a good artist, you know. So true. Um, <laughs> it's a big reality. I meet fantastic printmakers and humans, and I'm falling in love, literally, with some of these people. And the incredible thing is they fall in love with me. So, years by years, my name started to become normal in the printmaking ambient, we can say. I don't know if this sounds too much. Uh, I don't think I'm special, you know what I mean? But some people that I am, <laughs> in some way. <laughs> that's that's okay. My name started to become normal among printmakers too. Sometimes it's just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to explain better than these. You know, I don't yeah. have the right number of words to say that. <laughs> well, it sounds like yeah, you just you're building your network of different people and building mutual respect, and you know, yeah, eventually that leads to things. Yeah, and these people start to speak and say, ah, oh, you know Roberta from school. Oh yes. Ah, you know Roberta from school. Oh yes. And oh yes by oh yes became an opportunity. So I was contacted by Catherine Kernan. Uh, that for me, we have to say, Catherine Kernan for me was like Madonna for a singer. Uh, <laughs> you know, I see her video, I check all her website, her stuff. When I discovered that she came to school for work and print, I was so excited. You know, it was like to meet a name that you see only on a book, you know? Yeah. And it was not just a, a, a incredible printmaker, it was a beautiful person. So it was her and so Mixed Print, Mixed Print Studio and uh, Boston Printmakers to work together for push me <laughs> to go out from Italy and have this experience in the USA. And this was the travel of my life because first I discovered the other side. This means how work a print shop in the USA inside um, official university and school of art. Was it really quite quite different than than what you'd learned before? Gigant different. Really? Because in what way? First, uh, the specialization. In which way? I meet people that are specific, like this fantastic professor is the best one in the world for woodcut, but only with woodcut. So the best one in one technique, so can show that. And this for me was surprising because uh, I always try to teach and know everything as possible uh, and interesting for me too about different techniques. I love the idea that some people are the best one in one way. And the print shop in the different university and school where I went are incredible. They are gigant place with a lot of press. And some of these are builded for the print shop or buy it exactly for the print shop. In Italy, uh, we still, uh, and, and, and it's okay, with this idea of the ancient machine, ancient press, mm. and I think these two, they have a soul. So you want an old machine, you want something that was really used. Yeah. And in USA, I found something new and ready to be used, like virgin press. I mean, I feel like I feel like this is sounding a little a little witchy, like getting in touch with your roots. You're you're communing with your presses. You have to see how trapped my baby press here. <laughs> it have a name, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a little like that. But it was interesting to see all these press together, ready to be used. And the other things was uh, um, the respect for Europe. 
a printmaker in USA know exactly that was that is likely if can come to Europe and study, and then come back to USA and uh, um, and and teach uh, and, uh, and uh, discover something new. In Europe, sometimes we don't understand how likely we are to have all this history in our blood. You know, everywhere, I work in Venice, so everywhere in Venice I can smell real ancient history. Yeah. But ancient means, ancient means that the water that have around each wall and each little piece of stone have a personal history. In USA, I speak about this, my experience, eh? Everything for my eyes is more new. You know what I mean? Uh, new course, the, the, building, yeah. the building are 200 years old. And for me, it's nothing 200 years. You know what I mean? Because probably the place where I work uh, exists from 400 years. You know exactly. what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's a question of different time. And I really feel the respect for this time. More from the USA side that mm. from people that normally work in an ancient print shop in Venice, you know? <laughs> I mean, I could, I could see that because it's, it's what you know. When I, when I went to Italy in my postgrad to study mm. for some time, just being somewhere, like walking on an old Roman road, you know, like mm. the idea that like these stones, these are the same yeah. stones, you know, you know, which yeah. is like, it's just for Italy. It's just, I'm going yeah. down, I'm going down to get my, tomatoes you know like I'm not I'm not but for me it was like it was so intense and so it's it's difficult to you know to see the water that you swim in and so I could imagine that yeah like going and of course being in Boston which is like you know that's like our one of our old cities Roberta like that is like old for the U.S. or at least the colonial history of the U.S. and yeah yeah, and so yeah and then compared to Italy it's it's very different and and you know People react very strongly to being around that that kind of history. But respect. So I really feel the respect for everything I say have a different uh, weight, have a different kind of effect in the USA. And I really love that. You know, people really respect my work as a a printmaker, as a, a print shop manager and an artist. I don't want to say that in Italy and Europe it's not like that, of course, but uh, people really want to know what I have to say. This interview, this podcast is the same, you know. Mm. For me, it's, it's interesting that more people from outside Italy wrote about my experience in USA than Italian uh, hmm. newspaper. Hmm. I really feel respected yeah. in my travel. All the people around me really want to enjoy their time and their knowledge with me. And, for example, this possibility to study at Zea Mai Printmaking Studio. Girl, this was a big dream. <laughs> I was like, whoa, really? I can go inside this place? I can stay here? I can wake up two in the night and go in the print shop in my studio yeah. as, like a, as a resident artist and do something? And I have the luckiness that Liz Chelfin, she was with me. She teach to me, you know? Because she's the kind of person that I want to be in some way. Because she really shares everything. Everything yeah. means everything. And um, in pre-making world, uh, sometimes, uh, no, a lot of times, I listen something like, but this is a secret. 
Right. Like, uh, ah, the master do these things with this technique, but how he do it is a secret. Why? The secrets die with the master. Yeah. Or it's like, uh, for me, it's crazy. Hard ground liquid uh, charbonnel, uh, you know, all this, uh, the hard ground work. And uh, they have these ingredients, but one is secret. What means? You know, why? What means? Probably because it's fat from a pig, so something from <laughs> we don't want to say that. You know? Yeah, it's it's foie gras or something that's yeah, like yeah, it's, a little, uh, it's know, veal. It's some sort of torture from an animal. Sure, one hundred percent. You know, and so I meet people that really want to tell me something, really want to listen to me, and it's sharp tell me everything, everything, everything about the alternative that printmaking offer. And alternative that she researched, because it's not a question only about different kind of printmaking. It's a question of who is, who research this different. And Jamais Printmaking Studio do that. They do that. They really analyze what they do. And, and they really want to share this condition. Otherwise, if you think a print shop, a classic print shop is most dangerous for women than a man. Mm. Um, the toxic, the toxicity of uh, petroleum, wet spirit, the, the ink, the acid, are more dangerous. Are dangerous for uh, women? How do you say? Reproductive system. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is something that no one say and no one explain. And uh, and this was another good reason to understand the problem and try to check some alternative. Mm-hmm. So my first things was, I'm going back from USA and I want to teach everything I learn to my class. And I want to show the bad side. Because when you speak about something dangerous, people are scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have to be scary to understand the difference, to understand why this kind of ink or this kind of acid are better than another one. In Academy of Fine Arts in Italy, some Academy of Fine Arts still use nitric, that is the raw things that you can have uh, in a tank in, in a class, you know. And, and for me, it's a, sh- it's, it's a shame, you know, it's incredible that people still use this kind of acid when exists an alternative. Mm. And the problem is uh, the old master, when I speak about uh, uh, Greenway, uh, the alternative, uh, less toxic ink, you know, when I use this word, they are now a commercial word. It's like bio. You buy bio apple. People automatically think that bio means more expensive. Mm, mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is the, the bad side. This is what's happened when you don't explain to people everything. I start every class... Uh, about less toxic uh, technique uh, with one example. How we say that something is less toxic? First of all, don't exist no toxic. Right. Every time I, I read or listen, ah, this is no toxic. No, guys, everything we use is potential toxic. What we use for wash our, uh, our hair, my body, the dress, the t-shirt, everything is powerful toxic. Yeah. No toxic exists. How people say that something is not toxic, less toxic with a test. I make this example because I think it's powerful. I have this product, this liquid or whatever, and I have uh, 100 uh, mouse, rats. 
these rats drink my product, my product, you know, drink what I want to sell, and only 49 died. I can sell this as less toxic product. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, probably an exaggeration, but this is the way that I try to explain how this game about China, how the right word can be read. Yeah, I was just thinking it's like it's that's you see that so much in the way things are marketed, you know, even I think about it like the way people market foods and they say like this is all natural. The hell does that mean, you know? <laughs> it's like this is less toxic. It's like less toxic compared to what? These are the questions exactly. we don't have answers to. And no one really think about this question, you know. For this I start my class with this idea. I don't want to show you that exists a no toxic way. Exists a way to have less effect, dangerous effect on yourself and, and on the world as possible. Uh, but the, everything is about little step, you know. For example, I use only regs for clean everything in my print shop, okay? Regs means that all the old lady around my block in Venice know that the best things that they can give to me Aww. is regs. Yeah. Regs means old dress, old socks. Socks, uh, socks you know, for your food. Socks yeah, are the yeah. best that you can use for clean because you can put your hand inside and clean and wash and clean and wash. They are perfect. They are my best friend in a print shop. <laughs> and this is the thing became a group problem. Group means that all this old lady that lives around my print shop, I know these people because I meet every morning, I say hi, I say hello, how you, you know, create a connection with people that are not interesting in printmaking, mm -hmm. but they know that they can help me with my printmaking life with this kind of gift. Gift means that it's something that they go to put in the trash can become something so important for me. And all these rags that I, uh, they are washed, I cutted, I used, then became a cover for book artists. I try the real less toxic way means immortality. When a piece of uh, fabric, a piece of paper, a piece of everything, a piece of human mind became immortal when have always a new life. What I try to do is to offer a new life to everything I have inside my print shop. Mm. A print shop can product an infinity quantity of dangerous trash. And in a place like Venice, it's uh, harder to because you have to think that I'm surrounded by water. Yeah. Everything. I do can be dangerous not just for me but for everything is around me this is a little reality this is a village that can floating and is a village with a gigant ancient and rich history and I'm part of this and I respect so much this island for putting dangerous this water and these people and this reality yeah. and so for me it's really important don't product so much trash Mm -hmm. This is the first step, I think. And this is not because, ah, good girl. This is because, because it's really important for all the future printmakers. I try to teach that because the new generation of printmakers have to take care about the next one and the next one and the mm -hmm. next one. Mm -hmm. This way, making can still immortal. And so how long have you been the shop manager? And it's, I was like, I was just about to attempt to say it, but as X, when we were off air, I have been 
studying Thai for weeks and trying to get my mouth back around like Western pronunciation has been a thing that I said I can give it a go with. So like, so how long have you been a shop manager at Scuglia Internationale Grafica (laughs) (laughs) and, and kind of bringing this philosophy uh, to, to teaching into the way that you run the shop there? You think that I'm here by eight years, Okay, eight years, a long time. But I understand what I can really do just in these last five years. Because when I started to work here, I was a young, 25, pretty girl that arrived <laughs> from study outside, study in Spain. And when I started to work here, I have the luckiness that the founder of Scuola di Grafica, Matilde Dolcetti, She's a powerful woman, an incredible printmaker, and uh, um, and an eternal child. Mm. Eternal child in a way that she's so curious. She wants to know everything. And every time a new resident artist arrives, Matilda is ready to, to see. She don't want to teach. She wants to learn. And Matilda is 85 years old now. You know what I mean? And she still learns everything she can. So if you're we can say master, if the person that you select for being an example for you is a person like Matilde Dolcetti, you are already lucky, you know, yeah. luckiness to meet her. And uh, I always say I start to have a Matildite, like a sickness. There are hard time to say something like sickness, but I have a Matildite, like Matilde, because I start to do what she do. Yeah. So take care of the print shop as possible, you know. And check everything, and everything have to be in the right way, in the right place, and clean, and you know, became like an infirmity. And so, I start to see how much she want to know, and I start to understand that the best way to be a good print shop manager is understand what people want and what you really want. When I start, I repeat, I was 25 years old, 24 in real, but I was smart. I was, uh, I still, I think, but I was uh, fast, you know. I see, I can do it, I want to try, I meet people, I speak with all the people around the world, no problem. It's not important for me if I speak a good or bad English or Spanish, <laughs> I can communicate it. And I know perfectly how to use my hand to explain everything. You know, this yes. is typical from, from the south of Italy, yeah. use a lot of hand for explaining. And I start immediately to work with very important printmakers and masters. And the real hard part was explain to these people that I was ready. I was not only a young girl. I was a printmaker and I know exactly where I want to arrive. Yeah. And where I want to arrive is stolen everything. I want everything by these printmakers. I want to know everything they know. And so I start to understand that uh, I can teach what I've stolen. I can show what I discover. And... Uh, I can start to make uh, the print shop not just a place for artists, but a place for human. What do you mean by that? That's such an interesting turn of phrase. I mean that when people without experience with printmaking or visitors or tourists, of course, because Venice means right. a lot of... They enter in my print shop and what they see, they, they see, oh, uh, ancient press, a lot of paper, people at working, and they are very fascinated by that. No, they are surprised that exists still exists a place like that. Mm. What I want for these people is not just 
a picture of the press. You see, I speak a lot with you in this moment, and I speak a lot with all the people that enter in the print shop, because I try to explain in a short time more much as I can, you know. So they see an old press, and I always say it is an old press that was used by this artist, and I really think that this artist that probably is die still use it. Uh, the thing that we say about I have a name for my press and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, true. And probably can sound a little freaky, but I really <laughs> feel the energy of my press. I know when a press is ready for work. The other thing that I always teach is if you respect the press and the materials, they go to respect your work. Mm. If you use the press as just a tool, she became just that. If you use the press like um, a co-worker, because every press for me have a human side because it was created by human mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I mean when I say it sounds freaky. You know, when I say this stuff, or people falling in love with this kind of declaration, or people look at me and say, uh-huh. Yeah. And so <laughs> I hope that sounds better than what I think. But I really think that the press need to be uh, active part of the process. Yeah. The 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 matrix of copper. Copper means metal, means minerals, means something alive. Wood is totally alive. Yeah. Uh, the tools that we use, a great part, have a wood side. This means history, and I'm really seeing that materials have a memory. So if I trust my tools and my slab and my press with a lot of respect, when they see me, they are happy and they want to work well with me. <laughs> this is what I really think. <laughs> I love it so much. And I think that it's something that some people just kind of do intuitively. And then yeah. I also know that, you know, there's all kinds of theory about new materialism you know taking place in academic circles which is saying talking about objects and tools as collaborators and a really you do sort of theoretical philosophical way as well but I just I also just love you being someone who grew up surrounded by printing presses in you know in a small town like you it sounds like it just comes to you as a part of the natural way that you see the world it's beautiful So, you know, I understand this stuff just when I speak about and I speak about with a person that can understand the same, you know, because I repeat, it can sound uh, forced, can sound like uh, a show. When I explain this stuff, it sounds fake, but this is exactly what I say in my class, you know what I mean? Mm. For this, I tell you, some people look at me like, "Mm, okay, and some people look look at me like, Wow, yes, it's true. Because it's true. And I think that when you understand it, you know exactly how we speak about I know, yeah, exactly what you're saying. And I feel like it's like either you do or you don't, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. For example, every time I show how to put paper in water, no, I always say this kind of thing like, okay, now we take this piece of paper and we put the paper completely under water, no? And then this go out, and I always say, we have to waiting that the piece of paper stop crying. Because what you go to do if people put you with your head <laughs> down the water, forced and wherever, you know, minimum when you go out, you cry. So we're waiting that the paper stop with a drop of water, no? And then we 
help the paper and we dry the paper. You know, I always speak like as a baby or something yeah. like that. Because immediately people understand what I mean. It's different. I have seen people that for dry the paper, they put a towel on top and start to smash with the hand, you know, bam, bam, bam. And I always say, mm, if I smash you in the face, you go to say, thank you, Roberta, or you go to, <laughs> you know, punch me. The paper, the same. If you punch the paper, she don't go to offer to you a good print. She go to look at you from the press and say, haha, what you want? Yeah. So, I, I <laughs> so this is the other step in the print shop with Roberta. Learn how to respect the materials, you know. Yes. And I have always the same materials around here. I can feel when a printmaker is in a good mood or not. Sometimes you want to print because you don't have time, because you have to go faster, because uh, wherever. I always say, if you are in this mood, don't print. Mm. Don't print. If you want, if you don't have time, I have just one hour to print an edition, don't do it. Because your faster way and you are nervous and your blood runs so fast, the press feel every drop of your blood <laughs> and feel everything. So if you are under pressure, think a press under pressure. It's terrible, you know, it's too much for the press. Yeah. She has already pressure. So this is the other point about my print shop. And so you said you've been there for eight years. What's yeah. the history of the institution? When was, when was it founded and... And how did you actually sort of end up there on your journey? The the school, uh, I think, was born around the, the 69, 1969, uh-huh. uh, in Venice. Because Matilde Dolcetti, the founder, uh, she, she comes from a really important Venetian family. So she had the money and time, I can be very rude about that, <laughs> money and time to travel and meet printmaker for all the print, famous printmaker and all the people that she want to meet she can do it and she goes stretch to the person so she learned for years and when she have a very good quantity of knowledge she come back to venice and she decided that was the right moment to create a space for artists and people interested to artists you yeah. know venice from all her history um, an art place, yes. but not just because people make art in Venice. Venice is a piece of art, yeah. so simple to falling in love. I think that Matilde want to add something about. In another epoch, for me, Matilde Dolcetti can be a fantastic Peggy Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah. you know, very similar the kind of work. And first of all, she is a printmaker and a watercolor. And so she knew exactly what she wanted because she dreamed what kind of professor, master I want to meet in my life. Okay, I want to create a place where I can offer the same kind of possibility to other people. So the school starts with um, as a printmaking, uh, a print shop for artists and then start with art class. And art class means uh, watercolor, printmaking in every definition of printmaking work. Uh, calligraphy and uh, uh, workshop about wherever. Wherever means that if I have a resident artist that works with sonotype, I always ask to the resident artist to teach something to Italian student. For me, it's so important, and for the school, it's so important that Italian student too understand that exists another side, that exists people that can survive as artists first. <laughs> 
and that exist people that make art for love. And then we have a two-year master about graphic design. So we have these two souls, the print shop and the frontal class about publicity, graphic design, webmaster, and all this technological way. And I really like that the students of digital art are forced <laughs> to have experience in the print shop. Yeah. And they're falling in love. There are young people that use a computer already from all their life, but they never see a press before. So, you know, they enter in the print shop very respectful and they discover the ink and uh, they are forced to, uh, for example, engraving and work with woodcut because you can't invent a logo if you don't see a press print a piece of wood. Mm. You can't think about a font if you don't have a calligraphy experience, you know. So mm. these two sorts of the school are still work together. And then, of course, we have the resident artistic experience. Resident artist means that I select the school and me, not just me, of course. But we select uh, artists by their proposal for a project and a curriculum vitae and uh, about and what how they want to leave Venice. Because for me, it's so important that they are connected with the place. If you want just to work uh, in a print shop and print your stuff and stay stretched to this work... And you don't want to enjoy the community, for me, is a problem. Yeah. Because I need a community. A print shop survivor, if have always new blood, new blood means that new people have to come and people that falling in love for the print shop have to come back. Yeah. And like when they go home, like to spread the word. I mean, that's the lifeblood of a, of a print yeah. shop, of an artist residency, that people can go out and like talk passionately about what they experienced. Yeah. For me, it's a goal. For me, I arrive to the point where I want to arrive if my resident artists have an exhibition altogether. If people come back uh, the next summer in the same moment for stay together again. When some friendship became work relation. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. This means that the print shop is the right work, is the right place. Because it's not simple to have a community that can work together. Of course... Artist means very different people from all around the world with different personal history. My work, my job, and I love it, is cry and cry and cry <laughs> in front of magnificent changes of these people. This means that people, an artist arrives. I am an aquatint master. Okay, in my print shop, as you can read on the website, I don't work with colophonia for mm. aquatint. Mm -hmm. The one toxic things in the world and I really fight for don't have more colophonia in my print shop people go mad if you work with colophonia all your life it's hard don't do it mm -hmm. my goal is if you can change your mind but not change like this is better this is worse change is, is proof something different print something different then you come back to your real life but the moment that you are in Venice with Roberta Ferri you <laughs> It'll be different, yeah. Learn something new. Learn something new. Yeah, yeah definitely. And be scary. <laughs> it's not scary. You fight. <laughs> exactly. There's like there's that great phrase. It's like if you're comfortable, you're not learning, right? Like if you're comfortable, yes, you're not growing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what I do. My uh, job is to carry printmakers. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and what about your your own personal practice? Because you said you know you are an artist when you have an exhibition up, and you, yeah. you know you're showing work currently. So yeah. what what is that like? What do you address? What's your you know your your medium of choice? What's your practice yeah. like? Uh, like what I say, I come from the city of which, mm-hmm. and this is an important point. Why uh, Benevento is in the south of Italy, city of which, and Benevento was. Uh, the only uh, city uh, part of the um, Pope kingdom during a specific uh, um, historical period, you know. So my city in my brain have uh, two very important hard presence. Religion idea, the religion imposition, the Catholic imposition, and this means the Catholic fear, and uh, this incredible faraway Spanish idea, in which way the city was down the Pope and the Spanish power. The fear that we have are so related and similar to the Central America community. Uh, in which way, we, in my dialect, we use some word that sound very Spanish. Hmm. And we have some fear, like a point, uh, which the devil, some of these imaginary fear that they are son and daughter of the Christian presence, and of course the bad work with women and witch, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that are so similar to Central America. I am totally in love and in passion for Mexico. Mm. And uh, my big deal, uh, the other big things in my life was to see something in real in Mexico, you know. I think that I get married just for having so much different money to have this travel. <laughs> With my husband, we say exactly that. Say, we need to ma- to have this kind of travel. It's my dream. And he's in this mood too, of course, so we can't stay together. And uh, and we we made it. And we have this long travel in uh, only Mexico City, because just if you want to see something in Mexico City, you need four years of your life. Oh, I bet, Yeah. And um, it was so inspiring. And uh, and all my work, great part of my work is about uh, the culture of death. Mm. In which way? Uh, of course, you know, now it's 5 of November, so we already see the explosion in, of this uh, calavera, sugar skull, yeah. a lot of paint skull or skulls on their face. Without and, they, and a lot of people don't know the origin of this kind of traditional thing, because all is connected with traditional and uh, and with tradition. And uh, um, I see a bridge between how that lives in uh, Central America and how that lives in South of Italy. If you think uh, um, down Naples, we have a gigantic cemetery. Down Naples is famous, uh, Napoli Sotterranea. Because uh, you can you can go and see all these skulls that are collected down Naples, mm. and it's interesting because during the Second World War, who was in the city? So the women, because all the men go to the war. The women start a new kind of cult. They don't go to pray in the church. Women start to go down Naples and pray to the skulls. Hmm. Uh, the legend wants that uh, every woman have a skull that, that she take and she take care and clean the skulls and uh, wrote pray on the skulls, you know, and pray for wow. their in the war. Yeah. This is a legend that not so much people know, yeah. not so much people speak about. And this cult became so dangerous for the church. 
at the point that the church asked to the government to close down Naples. They want more people in the church, not uh, in right. a secret. Yeah, not praying to skulls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite legends is the Capitano, the Capitan, we can say, mm-hmm. and it's about this young girl during the Second World War and uh, too young uh, for being independent. And you know, all the woman condition during these years, during the, the age. And, and she looking for so much for a husband, for go out her house and start to have a, a different life. But during the war, it was hard to find a husband. So she started to pray this skull, that was the skull of a Spanish captain. And she started to ask for a husband, and she wanted a husband, you know, this kind of legend. Mm-hmm. And then she found a, a very good boy, and the day that they get married, during the ceremony in the church, at some point entering the church, this man, dressed as a Spanish captain, and he go directly to the bride, and he want to kiss her, and the husband was not happy, so he punched in the face this poor <laughs> and, and the person go away. Days after, the girls come go to the skulls to say thank you because she get married. And when she arrives to her skulls, she see that the skulls have her black hole, black uh, signs around the eyes. So the captain that go to the church, of course, was the, the ghost of these uh, scars that she prayed. You know, this kind yeah, of like Yeah, like he, he'd fallen in love with her. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, if you search in internet, probably you can read a better way version than what I say, you know. But uh, this kind of legend are the fundamental of what happened after, you know, is a condition is a, is a generation by generation traditional history that are very similar to the Central America way. So all my work is uh, about uh, put together these two worlds yeah. because for me they are perfectly connected. I work a lot with hard ground because uh, uh, I'm very graphic and very um, figurative. I need uh, people in my work. And a uh, great part of my work is about procession. So I made procession, procession. So mm-hmm. I made all long line people that work walk all together in one direction. And what I always say is that, and, and, and work on is that the start at the end of this line is always the death. Or so, you know, because uh, day by day we just go to die, but we have to start to think uh, that we go to die in which way, you know. And uh, I speak a lot about immortality. Because I know what I drawing and what I work on and print is about very happy family moment, but with people already with the skulls on their face. For me, when you have the skulls, you are already mortal. You know these kind of things. Uh, uh, you never die if people still think about you. Mm. This is a big true. This is a big, fantastic, gigant true, and uh, and and. The, the grandmother, your grandmother, you know, this kind of thing, teach you this in some way. And uh, uh, all my work is about to remember. Mm. You know, I don't think nothing special. If you think the most representative thing in the history of art, uh, in history of art, the things that you see more are Jesus Christ and the skulls. Mm-hmm. They are the two images, and they are connected because... Uh, Normally, Jesus Christ is always represented on the on the cross, 
Um, and on near his foot, you can see the Adam skulls, the first man skulls. Yeah, it's the skull that's like at the base of the cross that he's on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The most representative things in the history of art. So I don't do nothing no, new, you know. <laughs> I just do that tradition. But I really enjoy to take care of these people of my imagination, their protection, their their travel to the death and their comeback from the death. And I think it's important, this connection with Central America. I really feel that have a connection with this side. For example, in Venice, every year, uh, we, we means me and a uh, uh, little community of people from Mexico, organize the Altare de los Muertos. This year is online, mm. of course. Exactly today, they go to show online the print that I made for this uh, Altar de los Muertos of this year. And the thematic, because we have a tema every year, is uh, Los Abuelos, the grandfathers and grand, uh, the grandfather and grandmother. Because, you know, with all these situation in the world that we live, the old people are in danger, no? Yeah, yeah. And uh, officially, we can say at the moment, the older are the most in danger kind of person. Yeah. And so, Star de los Muertos of this year is dedicated to uh, Los Abuelos. So I just uh, print and I make a little video for the online version of the altar, uh, printing this, uh, this, this image where uh, a woman and a man, that they are my grandmother and my grandfather from an old picture. So they are dressed like elegant, you know, my grandfather have a jacket, my grandmother have a very fancy hat, mm. and together, but, and they have a skulls. They are the skull of my grandfather and my grandmother. And, but they are together, they're still together, and they are automatically immortal if I still print something about their history, you know. So this is what I do as an artist, <laughs> we can say. Yeah, that's beautiful. So as we're kind of coming up to like our hour recording mark here, I want to make sure that people get a chance to know where to find you and where to follow you and, you know, hopefully in the next few months, maybe years, a chance to come visit you in your shop. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, you can find something about me. But, well, the, the, the new way is to have Instagram. Actually, the new way is already old now. But of course, in Instagram, you can see something about my work. Uh, I'm Roberta Feoli de Lucia. I use my mother's um, surname too as an artist, mm. because that's, that is great, the possibility to use a father and mother surname. I think it's the right way to do it. And uh, so it's Roberta Feoli de Lucia. And in Facebook, I have a page on about uh, uh, my work as print shop manager and artist, always Roberta Feoli de Lucia. And uh, right at the moment that I start to have a real website, because it's year and year that I work uh, blog and stuff like that but you need a website now of course and so but this is not officially online for the moment and uh, Scuola Internazionale di Grafica you found immediately online the website where you can see everything happen in this side of the world beautiful well I can I can put links to all of that in the show notes so people can can find you and yeah I just I, I wish you the very best of luck in our our new lockdown and I yeah. I hope that it that it goes okay and and that um, 
we'll we'll see the other side of it soon and there's amazing printmaking in Bangkok so please come and visit me here I would love to yeah. I'd love to connect yeah. you and and see your passion um, for the medium and and all of that uh, here in this part of the world too so I I, I think that would be really great yes and I'm still here floating in Venice so yeah. <laughs> if you want to come and floating with me we can do it here in my print shop I would love that. Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to talk to you and and learn more about the history and and what you do and communing with presses. It was it was really <laughs> delightful. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Roberta. You. I'll be in touch. Yes. Thank okay. you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Ciao. 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 Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week for a special edition of Pine Copper Lime in collaboration with Print Austin and Studio Noise. I'll be interviewing Laura Post, one of the artists selected for Print Austin's 5x5 exhibition, juried by the great Delita Martin. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.